You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Poulos, and today's guest is another from the rugby scene in Richmond, Virginia, and is a friend of my previous guests, Matt Robinette and Chris Porter. So if you have not listened to that episode, please go back after you finish this one with Ben Morgan. Ben has had an awesome career around all sports, coaching rugby most recently for Virginia Commonwealth University and the Richmond Lions Club. He says he's on sabbatical due to a newborn, but I'm guessing he's still extremely involved with both teams. Ben has also coached all around and coached baseball as well. And to add to all that experience, Ben is a proud veteran of the Marine Corps and actually has an awesome example of one of his favorite sports leadership stories from his time in the Marines. In this episode, you will hear how Ben approaches leadership on his teams some creative ways to divide your team and provide more leadership opportunities to those who may not be captains, why saying and doing less is more, and my personal favorite definition of leadership so far on this podcast, and you know that's always my favorite question. Also, if you have not picked up your copy of the Captain's Playbook by our one and only founder and CEO, Ben Smith, please do so today. Go to Amazon, type in the title in Ben's name, and enjoy because that is an endless resource and amazing tools for athletes and coaches alike. I have a copy on my coffee table right now and take a peek almost every day at it. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Ben Morgan. Hey, Ben, good morning. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, good morning, Luke. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You know, our our previous two guests with Matt and Chris were, were awesome guys to talk to, and I know you, you know them pretty well and come from a similar rugby background, so always awesome to have like minds of, of previous guests on and get another kind of point of view going, and I think a good place to start is, you know, you got your background at, at BCU and the Lions Club as a coach and obviously as a player and kind of just an athlete and in general, so what do you think some of the fundamental values and principles are that you really preach or stress as a, as a coach that really encourage leadership on your teams? Uh, good question. I think, um, I think so much of that has evolved and, and continues to evolve as I figure out, you know, as things feel like every season has a retrospective review. And I think there's always something where I'm kind of like, Oh man, that seemed like such a good idea, but now not so much. But um, I think right now um, I'm still kind of going from what I learned in the Marine Corps, which, um, which was, you know, they always made a point of making sure that we were practicing leadership all the time. And um, you know, the way, just the way the organization was set up, um, you know, with different tiers. Um, I think that, you know, one, one of the most important values and principles is that you go out and you, you have to accept that leadership is a learned trait. 
And, you know, some, some people are going to start off maybe a little bit better at it than others just because of charisma or, you know, examples that they're following that they may not even know they're following. But, you know, you've got to practice, you got to keep getting better and you have to look at it in that way that it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not a you either are or you aren't thing. It's something that you've got to practice. And I think that's one of the most important things. Um, I'd add to that, I think that um, one of the things that gets overlooked a lot is learning the art of criticism. And I think that um, both being able to give it and take it. And uh, I think as a, you know, if you're going to be a good leader, you've got to learn how to do those things. Because if, if, if you're not able to get the message through to somebody uh, that, that they need to that they might need to make a change, then you're going to have a tough time um, getting where you want to be uh, when things get tough. Yeah, I really like that. And want to unpack a couple things that you mentioned and, you know, it, similar background in the military as myself and, and obviously Ben, our founder. And yeah, I think that's one of the, the biggest lessons that the military kind of teaches you and instills in you is that, you know, some people may have some skills that, predispose them to being an effective leader, but it a hundred percent is a train trainable, learnable and learned skill that you need to practice at. And I like that you, you said you're constantly practicing that leadership, putting it into action on a daily basis in every interaction you have. And, you know, the second part that you were talking about the, the, a big piece is being able to, um, criticism, taking it and receiving it. And, you know, the, the flip side of that is I think that sometimes gets overlooked is, is the praise portion of that. You know, we talk about constructive criticism, but I think we skip over uh, effective praise where, you know, you can constructively right. criticize someone all day long about, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. Hey, if you do this better, you know, you're going to have a better outcome. But sometimes when people do a good job, either a, as a coach or a teammate, or a player, sometimes it's a, Hey, good job. And that's kind of it without really telling them what they did well, or, you know, what were the things they did well leading up to that and, you know, give them, give them something to build on just like you would with constructive criticism. So I think those are two, two really important points. Uh, you know, as we, as we dive deeper into this is definitely, it's, it's a trainable and learnable skill. And then that, that little tip about criticism and praise is obviously a, a huge piece. Right. And I, I think you're spot on about, you know, praise being effective. I think, you know, I hate to get too into generational generalizations, <laughs> <That's what laughs> to say. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that when I, when I started at VCU, um, one of my biggest, the biggest anxieties I had was working with the age group because you hear so many things. And, um, and I, I think that, you know, they, they're used to getting a lot of praise. Um, and I think to some extent that that feels hollow. I think that that's been a large kind of one of the parenting pushes that, that a lot of these kids grew up with was, um, was, was maybe more praise than criticism. And, um, and I think, you know, that, that key of giving effective praise is the other thing um, is, is the piece of that, that, you know, I think that they see it and they appreciate it. I think they realize when they're being, you know, having smoke uh, blown at them mm -hmm. as opposed to when somebody's really, you know, has noticed something and, and gives it some detail. And I think, I think that as a, as a group, um, they're, they're pretty uh, key and or pretty able to appreciate that. Um, the other thing I'll say about that group is that, you know, talking about practicing leadership, um, you know, when I, 
it's not something that's taught in schools anymore. And I think a lot of us, um, you know, you, you'll hear the, the coaching and sporting public in general is kind of noticing and talking about, um, you know, how much we've taken away free play and how kids are, are very early on pushed into these very structured environments where sports, um, you know, are all for good intentions, um, you know, where sports are kind of hyper-organized and you've got a coach for, you know, five-year-olds who's, you know, planning things via tactical periodization or something like that. And, uh, and you know, I think coming up, for myself, you know, Saturday was, you know, get on the phone and, you know, try to call a bunch of guys and get them organized to go over and play football. And, you know, I think all of that was, was, was leadership practice. Right. And, you know, getting the guys organized, figuring out who was going to, you know, what rules we were going to play, what time we were going to get there, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of that's been pulled away and, and, um, I think that they don't get maybe the level of practice and it's certainly not being taught at the universities from what I've seen. I would imagine the military academies are doing a ton of it, but, um, but you know, it's not on the curriculum. There's no, there's no leadership class that, that, you know, these, these guys are having to take. So that was one of my pushes was um, I wanted rugby um, to be a leadership lab for a lot, for as many of these guys who were willing to take on the, the task. Yeah, and it's a very similar conversation and similar points that have been made on the show by some of my previous guests. I remember uh, a conversation I had with with one of the authors we had uh, about, you know, his his son asked him one day, hey, can you come umpire a game of baseball, you know, in the, in the neighborhood? And he was like, yeah, sure, uh, no problem. But the only thing I'll say is you guys have to come up with the rules. You guys have to pick the teams, um, set everything up, and I'll just show up and, you know, umpire however you tell me to umpire. And he was astonished at how long it took these children. You know, they were – I think he said they were, you know, in their young teens. But still just astonishing how long it took them to even kind of come up and agree upon any sort of, you know, structure because, like you said, that freedom has kind of been taken away – from that generation. And, and yeah, obviously, like you said, you know, you don't want to make too vast of generalizations, but I think you're spot on and how they have kind of had that forced structure on them since they were at a younger age than, than maybe you grew up with um, and having to set things up on your own. And that's the next, you know, kind of the question I was going to ask as a follow-up is, so how do you combat those kind of, you know, generational differences and, and how do you try to get your players into a different mindset where they take on some more of that leadership and they're not afraid of the freedom and they can kind of move, you know, with some sort of, uh, oh God, I can't remember who it was that, that said it, it was, um, uh, dang, he had a great, a great quote and a great reference. It was supported autonomy. Um, so kind of, I, I love that. So what are some ways that you kind of do that as a, as a staff or organization to, to develop that leadership? Right. Well, that, I mean, that, that it really is tough because I think, um, you know, one of the things you have to do is you have to read your team. And I think, you know, there's some of your guests have probably been in organizations that are, you know, very singularly focused and, and they are put together to win and, um, and I think that's awesome. Um, I have not been at the head of those organizations. Um, you know, we're more, um, 
you know, our, our mission aligns more with, you know, hey, let's give these guys a good rugby experience so they love the sport and they continue with it. Um, you know, we're in, in, in the process, if some winning comes about, that's great. But we're not under any illusion, you know, that, that we're going to win a national championship right now, you know. Um, so I think um, given that, that our focus is just a little different, I think what, what we look to do is um, really just kind of understand the team that, that we're taking on. Um, try to get a good feel by building personal relationships with the guys about, you know, Hey, what's, what does this team really want? Why are they coming out here? And then really trying to encourage that and, um, and, you know, figure out how to kind of maximize the benefit out of that. And you can get leadership from a social team. You can get leadership from the most competitive cutthroat team in the world, you know? Um, so we, one of the things that I like to do is I like to make sure that my team is kind of divided up the way you would divide up a platoon. Right. Mm -hmm. So instead of, instead of squads, you've got, um, well, actually, I guess we did, we, in the past we have called them squads, but you know, we divide them up into teams and, um, and then each team has a leader. Right. And so uh, from there you've, you know, you've, you've taken what a lot of teams have with one captain and you've divided it up into three or four. And, right. you know, it's all based on numbers. I like to have over 10 so that uh, there's a version of rugby called tens, which is uh, a little closer to 15s for, for you folks, you know, anything about rugby um, sevens is a game that we play, but it's, it's, it's pretty different from 15s. There's a lot of crossover of course, mm -hmm. and it's great. But tens, I think really gets you there with as far as letting your big guys have something they feel good good at doing and and your your fast guys having something they feel like they're good at doing um but i like to get them into about that size um so that we're already split up for drills and small-sided games and then i try to make the entire season a competition and um you know try to keep keep score let the guys understand what the ramifications are for for different events um, and then really just try to use that to get guys to lead their squads and just kind of watch. And, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes it falls flat on its face. Sometimes the guys who get picked as the squad leaders, you know, don't, don't do a great job, but, um, I think that's all part of it. They, hopefully at some point they look back and go, gosh, you know, I, I could have done a better job at this. I could have done a better job at that. And, uh, and, you know, we, we just work through it with them. And, you know, you said earlier, you said, you know, that, that fear, um, of taking on those leadership roles is, is strong for a lot of these guys because they haven't practiced it and just kind of putting them in that space and then trying to make sure, you know, that we do different things with the squads where, you know, they've got to appoint somebody else as a leader and they've, they've got to do something, you know, when, when, uh, in lieu of the, the person who's taken on the role of squad leader. So I think basically the answer is, you know, we try to kind of get over that by just immersing these guys in leadership opportunities. And, um, and, you know, trying to get as many of them out in front. You know, one of the things that we did as junior enlisted in the Marine Corps was one was, you know, you'd have to get out and whether it was on a run or whether it was in drill, you'd have to lead the platoon, you know, and you'd have to call cadence or you'd have to lead drill. And then one of the other things we did is we all had to teach courses. And it was pretty prescriptive uh, in the military about, you know, hey, you have to do your let them know what your objective learning lessons are, or I'm trying to remember exactly what the wording was, but, um, but you know, you had a number of things you had to go over, but it, it was great to have to get up in front of everybody and teach, you know, a subject. Um, and so, you know, that's basically the same thing that we're trying to do on these teams. We're trying to, um, we're trying to get them together, 
put them in a position and, you know, give them guidance if they ask for it, but try to keep your hands off as much as you can and just let them know that. And the, the other thing is try to put some stakes into it. You know, Hey, th this right. is a competition. Um, you know, the better job you do, the better your, your squad will do in, in the competition. So um, that's, that's been my approach for probably the past three years or so um, after learning kind of, kind of what I thought the deficiencies were and, and I've enjoyed it. I think it needs a lot of tweaking. And, um, but you know, I, I think, I think it's helpful just to get them out there and put them in those roles. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's a really creative way, Ben, of, of doing things. And I think sometimes coaches can kind of get stuck in the mold of, okay, I got to have one or two captains and, you know, that's, that's really it. Those are going to be my leaders on the team. And they kind of forget that the rest of their team is filled with leaders in one way or another. And I think your way of kind of splitting that up among your team, obviously, you know, the way rugby set up and, you know, with the numbers that you were discussing, it, it lends itself to it a little more maybe than, than some other sports. But there's always ways coaches can find creatively to, to split their team up, whether that be by class, by position, um, by, you know, majors, what they're interested in, you know, left, whatever you want to do it to, to kind of make things equal, like you said, because competition will, will always bring out the best in, in a team, especially where everyone wants to win, but it's, it's still, you know, everyone's on the same team. And I think what that does is, like you said, it gives more opportunities for more people to get out front and lead. And the more people are exposed to it from a younger age or from a younger time on the team, the quicker they'll become more comfortable and the quicker you'll see their leadership develop or develop at all where, where otherwise they might just be, you know, kind of just doing the X's and O's thing and not really taking any, any sort of initiative on their own. And it's a great parallel to the military. Like you said, you know, I remember in my last unit, that was what we do even in the morning before PT when we do kind of our, our stretching drills, you know, we would pick, you know, one of the, the lower ranking guys or gals in, in the platoon and we'd have them come lead the stretches. And like you said, even absolutely, yeah. a very, a very scripted thing. It's still something that they need to know. It's something that they practice on their own because it's something they need to know in order to get promoted to a certain a certain rank and they get tested on it. So what better way than to practice in front of your own unit at, at a younger level? And it's something that, you know, your senior leadership doesn't necessarily have to do on a daily basis. You know, those aren't the, the high stake decisions. There's a very low threat if things go wrong or, or people do things poorly, just like in your competitions at practice between the teams, there's a lot less lower threat of things kind of going awry than it is in the middle of a competition. Absolutely. So I, I think for sure the, the, the lesson there is be creative in, in how you split up your team and how you pick and utilize leaders and definitely look for, for every opportunity you can to, to put other people, other individuals, other leaders on your team out in front and not just focus on your captains. How did you specifically pick those those captains or those team leaders or the squad leaders that you were talking about? Is that something that you split up the teams yourself and then selected captains for those for those teams, or was that a you know you you split the teams up and then within those teams they selected their own? So the, I've I've tried a couple things. I think um, I I always came up with um, you know I, th I think 
high school was all about coaches picking captains. And, um, and then pretty much everything after that was usually the team electing captains. And I'm sure every coach has gone through this and had a captain come out where you're just like, Oh man, they picked the popular guy. You know, right. this is, this is, this is not working out. So um, I read a book uh, three, four years ago. Um, and it, it, it outlined a process that, that really resonated with me. Um, and essentially what you do is, um, you get the team together and you kind of, you go through a process where you define, you know, what your values are. And I I know that starts to sound, I I know just starting off on kind of that language starts to put some people off, but, but stick with me on this. I think you kind of define your values and you do so in a way that, that, that's very, you don't come out and say, Hey, what are our values? You know, you say, what are the, you know, the last three teams or the last, you know, the the last team we lost to, what did they come away with thinking about our team? Um, And then you say, you know, what, what what would we want them to think about that? And then you start to kind of, kind of work through that and, and work to some values out of that. And then you say, Hey, look, I want you, um, if you can do it, you put together a list of everybody on the team and you say, I want you to rate everybody on these values. Um, and then, and, and I, I, I found, and this is kind of what the book was, was suggesting was that you're kind of surprised the guys that come out of that are not necessarily the guys who would get voted as captain. Right. Um, so I, I went through that and, um, the, especially with the college guys, which I think is, is a lot different than coaching the men, um, with, with the men, we, we were just, we we're just voting. Um, but you know, with the college guys where it's a little more, you know, the, the focus is a little more, Hey, let's, let's train this up. Let, let's, let's make it a little more competitive, a little less social, um, was to get them to, you know, kind of, kind of figure out who kind of exemplify what they want to be as a team. And then, you know, taking those top three guys and making them squad leaders. And then, you know, just, just for fun, we, we all sat down one day and we had a draft. Um, so we took everybody who we knew would be on the roster the coming season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we let them draft and that gave them some ownership and, right. um, you know, that, uh, you know, it, it also kind of puts it in a template that they, they understand and is fun. You know I mean? Like it's like your fantasy draft, you know, mm-hmm. you, you get to get together, you get to pick guys. And, um, and I've, I've kind of used that model and other things. And I find that the teams that you get out of that are often, pretty solid teams as opposed to if I had sat down and picked them based on strengths or whatever um, with what I assumed was, was the right way to go. And the other part of that is, is you find, I found that, you know, the squad leaders are more likely to pull on their squad to be there at things if, if they've picked them as opposed to if I, you know, if I were to sit down and select them. So that, that, that was kind of my favorite process up to this point. I would say there are teams that that would be very difficult to do with. with. Um, I think there's a certain level of, um, you know, competitiveness and buy-in that you need to get to be able to pull that off. And it takes time. And, and frankly, leading that discussion is, is pretty tough. Um, I think I read that book four times before I felt brave enough to do it. Um, so, uh, so I, 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 let's see the book. It's um, it's called Any Given Team. It's by an Australian, um, and I heard him on a podcast, and I can't remember which podcast it was. Um, and I can look his name up, but uh, 
but it's, it's a great book. It's a short read. And he started off working with uh, military units in Australia and then um, kind of took his process and started applying it to Aussie rules football teams and then took it from there to, to some rugby teams. And I think he's still very active as far as a, a, a team consulting, leadership consulting uh, over there in Australia and in other places. No, that's great. And, and like you said, you know, maybe that isn't the, the, the best fit for, for every team to, you know, split it up that way. But I think especially for high school and college teams, the conversation about values before picking your captains or it being a part of the conversation about captains is huge. I mean, at, at West Point on the lacrosse team, we voted for captains and it was, it was a straight vote. And it was the two or three, you know, when I was there all, all four years, we had three captains. So it was the, the top three guys that were, that received votes. But when we sat down for that meeting where we all voted and, and the previous, the outgoing seniors actually were able to vote along with the other three classes on next year's captains. Our coach, Coach A, who I've had on the podcast, he was my first guest. We would have a full length conversation beforehand about, hey, remember who you're picking is a reflection of this team and a reflection yeah. of the values that we preach. You know, we had three, three core values, family, toughness, and tradition. And I like your, your, your piece about, Hey, the last team we played or the last team we lost to, you know, or the next team we play, what do we want them walking away with as, as their image of us? And those three things for, for army lacrosse, at least, you know, there's, there's, I don't think there's any words that, that sum us up, sum us up any better than, than family toughness and tradition. And, you know, the, the three guys that got picked in my four years, I would probably say, at least, you know, three, four, 12. So out of the 12 guys, probably at least 10 of them, I would say at least 10, if not all 12, were 100% three guys on the team that, that embodied those values the most. You know, they were the best teammate. You know, they were the toughest every day in practice. And, you know, they honored the, the legacy and tradition that, that our team kind of, you know, fell into. And I think that's, it's a huge piece. And I, I think if you are scared to have that conversation with your team, um, that's all right. But, you know, maybe you start with the seniors and you just bring the seniors in and say, hey, yeah. what do you want your legacy to be? And then you bring in the junior class and then the sophomores and, you know, the freshmen, especially at the high school level, might not have any idea what you're talking about, but it's still a good, a good conversation. So... Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulos. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.